Hello and welcome to this week's episode of The Dude Therapist. I cannot tell you how pumped I am to wrap up this year's episodes with one of the most iconic running backs to ever play in the NFL, Ricky Williams. And there's so much drama from his past due to cannabis use, NFL rules, and all this ridiculousness. But I'm so excited to have him on because he is one of the most powerhouse filled human beings with such common centeredness and balance on the idea of how to defeat your dragons. And it's something that I think as the year's wrapping up, this year has been a lot for so many people and to deal with our dragons is a talent, a skill that we have to hone and work on. It's not something that we just figure out overnight. And Ricky Williams is one of the top people. Now, he went to University of Texas was drafted by the New Orleans Saints and continued an amazing football career known as one of the most electric running backs of the century. He played Miami Dolphins for the span of seven seasons. He faced two suspensions during his tenure due to the NFL's strict marijuana policy, and he finished his career with over 10,000 rushing yards, 74 total touchdowns, and retired in 2011 after playing his final season with the Baltimore Ravens. He started a company called Heisman in 2021 to empower professionals and everyday athletes as well as sports enthusiasts alike through cannabis. He brings a deep knowledge of herbs, sports, and wellness to the brand. His belief in the healing properties of cannabis is intertwined with a distinguished football career, and he credits smoking as a way of coping with the challenges associated with being a professional athlete from social anxiety to physical injuries. We all have to find our avenue that helps us deal with our daily life, and Ricky Williams found his. And I'm so honored and so proud to have Ricky Williams on this week's episode. Here's a word from our sponsors. Hello. This week's episode is sponsored by Alma. Going in network with insurance can be really tough. The paperwork, who to talk to, how to get it done, all the wait time to be able to work with certain clients. Filling all of the right paperwork is time-consuming and tedious, and even after you're done, it can take months to get credentialed and start seeing clients. That's why Alma makes it easy and financially rewarding to accept insurance. When you join their insurance program, you can get credentialed within 45 days and access enhanced reimbursement rates with major payers. They also handle all the paperwork, from eligibility checks to claim submissions, and guarantee payment within two weeks of each appointment. Once you've joined Alma's insurance program, you can see clients in your state of licensure regardless of where you're working from. You know, it's been really wonderful to partner with Alma and use it myself. Without them, I probably would not be able to do what I do as a private therapist, having a private practice in two states. So learn more about building a thriving private practice with Alma at helloalma.com. That's helloalma.com to get started. Hey, welcome to this week's episode of Dude Therapist. We have someone who I used to watch play football and would admire his strength on the field. But in the past couple of years, my energy about him has changed towards his strength of his inner power and inner strength of his honesty about mental health. So I'm super pumped to have Ricky Williams on. Uh, Ricky, can you introduce yourself, even though I know you don't need that much introduction, uh, to the listeners who might not know who you are? Yeah, so I was a professional football player, um, you know, early in my career, most known because I won the Heisman Trophy in 1998. 
then I was a draft pick in the NFL and I played 10 seasons. But uh, in the NFL, known as a pretty good running back, but really known for getting in trouble, uh, failing a couple of drug tests for cannabis. Um, and out of it, from my personal journey, um, kind of woke up to needed to address my own mental health. And it turned into, it evolved into a spiritual journey um, and ultimately a life that feels much more meaningful. And so um, it was funny as a kid, I always wanted to utilize you know, sports and fame to as a platform for something. But in my pursuit of excellence on the field, I wasn't really, you know, pursuing anything else. And so when I finally had the platform, I didn't feel like I had anything meaningful to offer. And so uh, life fixed that. And mm. So here we are. Oh, I love that. When, like, when for you was that turning point when you realized that you were not okay or functioning the way that you needed for yourself? Because I remember watching you, like, with the interviews to wear the helmet, you know, the classic thing, because you really, I think, like, you were very aware of it, clearly. But when was that first kind of realization on your own that something was kind of not okay for you? You know, um, it took a while. <clears throat> you know, it took a while. Something I've noticed with with a lot of uh, athletes, but I think anyone who excels at anything at a very young age, I think one of the things that motivates us to put so much energy into our thing is that there's probably something else going on that we don't really, <laughs> we don't really want to deal with, you know? And if we are effective in putting our energy into something, then we don't have to deal with this stuff, you know? Uh, so I was like that, you know, and then it all started to come back. So, and I kind of pushed it down and I just tried to play better. And then when I got hurt, I didn't have that crutch anymore. And I had to like deal with stuff. And so it was um, after my rookie season, I had, a, I had a lot of injuries. And so I lost my crutch and I had to ask like questions about who I was on the inside. And it manifested through my relationships. You know, I looked around at my relationships and I was complaining about everyone else. And then when I thought about the common denominator, <laughs> it was me. You know? And there was this, this moment where I had to like face that there were parts of me and times that I, I was acting like a monster. That's mm. the way I thought about it. And once I was able to like face that, you know, I talk about facing the dragon. Yeah, then I realized, oh, I can do something about it. You know, yeah. I don't have to be hypnotized by the dragon. I can face it and try to overcome it. And so I started to to gradually move my energy towards towards dealing with the dragon um, and being more authentic. Yeah. And, you know, just to, to give a background for people who haven't listened to like all the interviews that I've dived into listening for, to Ricky uh, over the past couple of years, whether it's on Cheat Code with, uh, you know, all the interviews, Dr. Mondo or you know, on the pivot and all the amazing things that you've been putting out recently. Um, the dragon is that idea that that mythical beast that that we all have to face. And, and you know, I was thinking about it when I was when I was listening to you and Lindsay talking about that. Something came up in my mind, and I said, "Well, what if we never have want to face it? Because in those stories, someone's going to save you know the princess or whatever thing you know for some quest. But what if you never have the opportunity to face it?" Do we all get that chance or how do we force ourselves into that castle to face that dragon? Cause it could be scary. You might hide outside. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I think this is the power of, of myth, 
know, if we can connect to a, a positive story of facing the dragon, then we're, you know, it's going to be easier for us, one, to recognize the opportunities, and two, to make a valiant effort towards in that direction. Mm. Um, but but I think we've we've lost our mythology, you know, we have a, it's been replaced by a more materialistic scientific mythology. Mm-hmm. So, and I think ultimately, and I think this is why for me, this mental health crisis, it turned into a spiritual crisis. And I, and this is a bad word these days, but I would say a religious crisis. Mm-hmm. Yeah? People often talk about, you know, they like to say that they are spiritual, but not religious. Mm-hmm. And, and I think there's some... I understand orthodox religion, you know, and this, there's only one way to do things, mm-hmm. obviously, is very toxic. But we yeah. all need something to believe in, and we need to live a life in accordance with those beliefs. Yeah. That, is a, that is a key factor to being happy. And that's the ultimate definition of religion. It means you believe in something and you live accordingly. And we all need to believe in something. And so for me, I like this, you know, as a kid, I was very sensitive to these to these movies, right? These archetypes, these images <clears throat> that we see, they really spoke to me. And, and so I was always trying to live up to them. And luckily I was attracted to very uplifting images that allowed me to keep moving in that, in that direction. And I did get those from an, my early religious upbringing. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I think it's I think it's extremely important. And these these difficulties I faced in my life, they force me to deal with these to my aspirations. You know, I say I want to be a better person, but these are the choices I'm making. There doesn't there doesn't seem to be an alignment. This is something that I need to deal with. Yeah, you know, you talk about the whole like the religious thing being a bad word. It, it recently, uh, Rain Wilson wrote a book called The Soul Boom. I don't know if you've heard about it, but. Uh, it goes into the whole idea of spirituality and religious beliefs being a four letter word and yeah. how he wanted to make a TV show called the notorious G O D and really have like an honest <laughs> conversation about God, whatever that means to each person that, that kind of that value based or ethical viewpoint of life. And he was rejected from every single media platform saying it was a bad, no one it's very controversial. And he said, when was a spiritual life? controversial one was a valued life controversial so i love that you say that you know it's just so interesting you said often a few times and even now that you wanted to have a platform to do something and you say that anxiety was your calling and people sometimes don't say that out loud that like their mental health was a calling what was that can you talk about that or what that means to like listen to the call or listen to your mental health as something to push you towards greatness success or even honesty yeah, I'll, I'll just talk about how it how it manifested, and um, as I go into the story, a reminder um, of what I said about myth and having the image. And I think being a professional athlete, being an athlete my whole life, the the myth of there's some opponent and that's that's pretty good, you know, <laughs> and they're trying to take something from us, and our job is to meet the opponent and overcome the opponent and and win. That's the whole myth of sports. Okay. And so when I, this time where I realized, you know, the monster wasn't out there, it was in here. Um, I called up a good friend of mine and I said, Can you find someone for me to talk to? And she found a therapist for me and I started like talking. You know, I started, started 
having those conversations. And once I started to have those conversations, I could see more clearly who the opposition was inside mm. of me. And I took that attitude of, okay, this is something that I can like conquer, I can overcome. And so there's a sensitivity and a vulnerability to, to be able to sit with, with what's really there, but you also need the, the courage, the warrior to, to do battle with it. And I, I think that I'm fortunate to have have all this football training and then have all the anxiety, too, because it allowed me to appreciate both sides and to see how how they need each other. Did, did you do you think that you were born with that warrior warrior mentality or did you learn that through football? Both, both. You know, there's this thing about good and great. And I think mm. good you can get to good a couple of ways one way to get to good is if you have natural aptitudes and you kind of just go with the flow you're going to be good just naturally you know we know those people right they don't work so hard but they're just naturally good at something okay that's good right the other way to be good is you don't have a natural aptitude but you work your butt off and so you you acquire some level of skill okay but great is where you are born with some aptitude and you apply yourself and I think I was born with the, this inner warrior and my mom is an Aries. So I was raised by a warrior and I got into sports at a young age. And so I had all this support for a natural aptitude. And I think that's why I was able to have some manifest some sort of greatness in the field of, of sports. You know, you talk about the idea of uh, being honest with yourself and kind of seeing the truth within yourself of, of what the calling might be or where the common denominator was, was yourself as the monster that you said, do you feel that in this day and age that we have with mental health, that there's a resistance to accepting that? Oh, yes. And how, how do we combat that? Well, I think mythology, I think we have to, we have to have inspiring stories, right? That where people, where people see people facing the, facing the dragon overcoming the dragon and thriving mm. and i think the more we 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 highlight these stories and we were willing to actually aspire towards them uh, i think that it creates a shift and i feel like that's that's kind of my what drives me mm -hmm. you know is that going through everything is to like to come out on the other side so like my kind of my lowest point right this was after after I failed the drug test and I ended up retiring and then everyone found out I failed the drug test. Right. And all, and I, you know, and like when I was a kid, you know, and people saw I had potential, like the one thing they said is don't throw it away for drugs, you know, <laughs> and there I was, you know, and so I was like, man, you know, I was like, did I really just throw everything away for drugs? And I was like, wait a minute. I'm the one who decides how this story goes. And I say, you know, if I take this and like keep on going and growing, then it's going to create a positive story around all this. And that gives, I think, more people uh, uh, ideas that there's other ways to be happy than just following one path of what you're supposed to do. Mm. And, you know, I remember, I remember watching that story unfold. And even as a kid, I'm like, what did he do wrong? You know, and even now you have a company called Heisman, which I think is a great name, great name for, uh, you know, a little jokey at, you know, the Heisman and and as well, what you, as, as well as like pot, but like, that's, it's such a, I thought it was such a stupid reason to, to like, how did you bounce back from that idea of being at one of the top running backs, maybe one of the best running backs to ever play the game? 
and then to be kind of taken away or maybe pulled from you and then to go back into the system again that clearly you've mentioned many times does not care about your soul or you've said does not care about your soul or you how do you put yourself back in that position and deal with it any better than you did before you know i i keep coming back to this and and i think maybe if i say it enough people will really get what i'm saying i had a mythology you know i i had a a story where I could see things going well. And so mm. it, it allowed me to have faith and to just keep, keep moving in that direction. Mm. Um, and, and yeah, you know, there's the rebirth story. There's so many stories. And again, I grew up in the church. So I have like a library of, <laughs> of stories of how to transform difficult situations into, into positive mm-hmm. things through having faith and keep moving. So yeah, I guess I've been uh, I'm fortunate that way that I, I had yeah. I had positive, you know, again, there's negative things about about my religious experience. But the positive things is it it built like a foundation for me mm-hmm. to to be able to to find meaning and purpose in life mm-hmm. and to connect to these to these powerful themes that that help me find meaning. Mm, I love that. And, you know. As an athlete, you know, a very successful athlete, someone who's gone to the top of the mountain, people don't realize and have huge assumptions about, oh, they don't struggle the way we do. We don't suffer the way we do. What has been like the healing journey of yours that people would never have expected kind of behind the curtain of an athlete of your caliber? Well, I think that it's exactly the opposite is I think an athlete at my caliber, especially in the game of contact game, like sports is mm-hmm. we're, we're, we're in, in one sense, gluttons for suffering. Yeah. And, and, and I say that because it's funny, but, but seriously, it it's like our training is to take difficult experiences and turn them into victories. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what we're trained to do on a, on a daily basis. And I think the unfortunate thing is, is it's so focused on this one thing that it doesn't often occur to us that we could apply that same rationale to other areas of life. Mm. This is what I, I meant when I, I applied that same rationale into my own mental health. And it and I think that's what allowed it to transform into something that that has been that's felt victorious for me. Yeah. You know, I love like some of the conversations that you've been having and over the years, the honesty and vulnerability that you've been sharing one as a man, I truly uh, admire you for, for opening up and being real. And you've been doing it since like 2001. This hasn't like, a you know, this hasn't been last year, you know, you've been being real with your, with the, the people that have been watching you talking and telling people. And, uh, you know, you talk about this idea of inner peace as true happiness, that happiness is inner peace, not just joy and smiles. I think it's something that's so lacking in today's day and age. What can you kind of shed light maybe on what your journey has been of inner peace to maybe help people who might be listening in this day and age where we live today? That is such a struggle for so many people. Yeah. I mean, I guess the image that comes to mind is, is the, the eye of the storm. You know, when I, when I lived in, uh, when I played for the dolphins every summer, the end of every summer, every single year, you know, we get the, we get the hurricane warning, you know? And so we'd watch the news and they'd show the hurricane. You'd see that little, that little spot in the middle, you yeah. know, where things were kind of calm and peaceful. 
that, that that's a powerful image, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, and for me, it comes from I get back to to faith. Is that there's a part of me that knows that everything. It's not only that everything is going to be okay, but but everything is giving me an opportunity to move forward on my journey. Mm. And so That's- from that perspective, then I can recognize which which paths, you know, feel best to me. And I can choose from there. So inner peace isn't where everything calms down because mm. that's not life. That's not growth. When everything calms down and comes to a standstill, we call that death. Mm. Yeah. I think the, the center is like you have to, you know, when I studied alternative medicine uh, across the board, Chinese medicine, Ayurveda, um, Western herbalism, basically at the core, they say all disease comes from not knowing who you truly are. Because if you know who you truly are, then it's, you're, you're clear on what things are going to be supportive for you and what things are going to be poisonous for you. But I think the process of life is really trying to figure that out. And sometimes we're going to eat things that are poisonous for us, you know, and it's not bad. It's education. We know, okay, maybe this isn't so good for me. I love that. The idea of everything being calm is, is basically death, which is so true because we can't expect that. You know, I work with people all the time, especially I'm a relationship specialist and how, mm. you know, oh, this was a waste of my time. This person was a waste of my time. And I'm like, no, this was an experience that you had that you now know more about yourself. This person gave you an opportunity and service to you in a way that now there's mm. something more to grow. So I love that you say that it's not the calm that's important. It's that you're taking the, the you're sitting in the center knowing where you stand and being able to see where to go with it because yeah. you have that faith and that balance. That's the other thing. I think, you know, I don't know if uh, my guess is you would agree. It's kind of the elephant in the room that I think the most, at least what I've found and what I see in other people, the most important choice we can make for our mental health. Okay. Are the people we choose to keep closest to us. Mm-hmm. Okay. And specifically the people that we're in romantic connection with you know because they have the most access to uh, to the deepest parts of us you know? yeah and if we don't choose people that are going to be caring for those parts of us then our mental health is going to struggle and there's not is it's not anyone's fault that's mm-hmm. just that's just how it that's just how it works and yeah. so i've i've found for me the best choice the best choices i've made to improve my mental health are relate to partnerships relationships you know i got i got two more questions in my mind uh you know in the time that we have um in today's day and age you talk about you talk about i want to go back to the myth thing because i really love that image uh someone who loves stories and loves mythology and loves those heroes and villains i love that stuff i think it's why people go crazy for marvel and dc stuff because it's like today's day and age of that story Versus the Greek mythology of old or even biblical conversations that's too out of touch, so, so to speak, um, even though I disagree with that. But yeah. in, in you, you've dealt with your dragons. I deal have dealt with my dragons. But do you have have you seen in the, the world that you're in and the people that you've been in touch with over the past couple of years? Is there a common dragon that we deal with as a society today or that you see maybe if we can kind of narrow it down to men specifically? Hmm. Interesting. So, so the 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 another word I used for dragon is wound. Mm. You no, know? and so as I translate that question in my head, 
Is there a is there a common wound to man? Yeah, that, there is. Um, and <laughs> what's the? <laughs> I'm I'm gonna use the term, but I I, I don't mean to use it because I know in like the big controversy right now with the Barbie movie is that this word was overused. So I'm going to use it just because I'm lazy and I can't find a better word, but I'm going to explain it. What I'm, what I mean is the wound for us is the patriarchy. And what I mean by that is the assumption that it's the, the guy's job to figure everything out. Mm-hmm. Yeah? And I think it's kind of what I'm saying. You know, I think in, in evolution, right. And anytime anything is evolved, it's always evolved together with other entities to become more whole and holistic. Yeah. And so our natural gravitation is always towards partnership. And in order for partnership to be effective, it has to be equal. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's the wound that's affecting women and affecting men differently. But I, I think this is, I call it the battle of the sexes. Mm-hmm. You know, it's something about it's something about when a man and a woman get together, there's something mm-hmm. that like this deep underlying resentment that if we're not conscious of, then we just enact it on each other. Yeah. And so I, I, I think a, an appreciation of what it's been like to be the history, because every man and woman born today, we inherit the history of, of what it's meant to be a man and a woman. And I think the more we can understand and honor that, then we don't act it out as much and we can actually mm-hmm. bring healing, healing to this dynamic. Well, I love that. Um, you know, in the end, you talk about, how you as a human and everyone is multifaceted. You even mentioned a few times in other, other podcasts or interviews about depth psychology, right? Mm-hmm. This archetype is something that you really talk about often, which I love. And, uh, you know, I would love to connect you with a few colleagues. I have Danae Logan, who's a very big uh, therapist in depth psychology, and it's a very spiritual experience. It's a very kind of soul searching experience. And I think that's so lacking in mental health because we are dealing with a whole person, not just their brain, not just how they feel, but everything that takes, when you peel back the onion of Ricky Williams, right? You have all these wonderful accolades and all these amazing things, as well as human struggles. What today is that peel back that people might not think they know or understand about you? Um, I'll just say at the deepest core, I feel like I'm a healer. And what I mean by that, not like I'm, you know, touching people and making people better, but, but, but that I am, you know, and, and I think if it's like a mirror, you know, if someone can reflect back to us an image of ourselves, that's inspiring, you know, Mm -hmm. that brings health Mm -hmm. and wholeness. And so, you know, I'm just learning to use my tools, learning to give, use the gifts that, that God gave me to make a, to make a difference in the world. Yeah, you know, in the last minute or so, I just one of you writing a book. I, I'm telling, like, dude, you have so much knowledge and truth to you. Maybe a book is not your avenue. I don't know what it would be, but there's something there's something about you that I can't explain. It's just it's so calming yet real at the same time. It's so beautiful to see such a, a strong physical man as well as such a strong inner being balance each other out. It's beautiful to to see. It's why I was like so drawn to you because there are many athletes to talk about mental health. You know, there are many athletes now or hopefully more, but you just have, there's something different about you. So I just, I had to ask like when you, 
when are you doing something? I can't wait if, and I can't wait to hear more about what you talk about. Cause it's just so beautiful. Yeah. I'm sure I'll just be talking more. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. Yeah. Uh, people ask me to write a book and I'm like, I would rather speak than write. Writing's not my yeah. thing. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. Thank you. I really appreciate your time. I know you're a busy, busy person. Yeah. You're CEO of companies and you're on uh, with Dr. Mondo all the time, just killing it and doing amazing things. Um, I always ask this question when I wrap up, what would be one to two things that you hope that if no one listened to anything you said or lessons you would want someone to truly hear you on, what would they be? Hmm. Is to just be curious about like what you have the potential to offer the world and what Mm -hmm. it would take to actualize that potential. So curiosity about, about ourselves, I think is the most valuable thing we can have. I love that. Well, Ricky, thanks so much for being on the show. I really appreciate your time. Yeah. Thanks for having me. All the best, man. All right. Take care. Thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode of the dude therapist. It means a lot to me because without you, the listeners, this podcast can't happen. So every listen, every download, every rate, review, and share means so much to me. And I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. Talking about wellness, mental health, and relationships is one of my passions. And that's what this podcast is all about. So thanks so much for tuning in. As always, if you have any questions, concerns, ideas, thoughts, collaborations, email me at thedudetherapist at gmail.com. Always feel free to DM me on Instagram at the dude therapist. Don't forget to be kind to yourself and to others. And as always, see you next time on the dude therapist podcast.